Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Welcome to Cast and Crank Podcast. Today's episode is brought to you by Phoenix Rods. Today we have Jared Malat. Uh, he is the captain of the Gale Force. He was going to be the captain on our upcoming charter, but he had a trip already planned, so uh, we'll have to do it on the next one. Uh, Jared's done a lot. He's he's a young kid. I think young kid. I think he's late twenties, but he uh, he's a big calico fisherman. He was part of the whole. Um, Team Bastic, I think it was, with Evan, where they ran a little boats to like San Clemente, like 17-foot boats. Amazing. Big Calico guy. has a little history in the Calico fishing tournament scene, as well as a great boat captain. Uh, a lot of rock fishing tips on this one. Hope you guys like it. Um, check out the Patreon. This month's sponsor is Toxic Bait and Swimbait Underground D3. So tier uh, one, you have a chance at one of the Toxic Baits. Uh, it's up on, it'll be up on Instagram. Tier two. Um, there's no more two. Sorry. <laughs> Tier three, uh, you'll have a chance at a D3 or uh, one of the toxic baits that uh, Caesar donated. They'll be up as well on the Instagram. Please sign up for that. It helps the podcast uh, move forward. Um, check out the reviews on iTunes. Please give us a five-star review. We greatly appreciate it. Also do it on Spotify. Spotify does reviews now as well. So if you give us a five-star review, it helps dramatically. Um, what else is going on Monday, Jim Mason, uh, great episode. Uh, we had a lot to say, super, super cool guy. So was his son, Eric, and, uh, he's has all the history from Casitas. I'm going to say he's probably one of the OGs that started the whole swim bait thing at Casitas. So, um, I hope you guys listen to that one. I'm looking forward to that one. Friday, you will have Stefan's episode up, All Species. It'll be up on YouTube. I suggest you watch that as well because we do uh, some fish breakdown on that as well. I had some video issues, so uh, sorry about that. There's going to be stuff cutting in and out. Um, check out the website. Like I said, I'm going to try to work on some new shirts. And uh, hopefully that live podcast will have something scheduled for you. I think I might do one up north uh, in a couple weeks as well with Caesar and maybe uh, maybe send another special guest. We'll get him. Live on YouTube, you guys can watch if you're part of the Patreon. Um, that's about it. Check out the YouTube, subscribe. I'm going to put a little piece um, in remembrance of Jay Chris. He passed away. Uh, 
So I'm going to put a little piece of his podcast in the beginning. Jay was a uh, cool guy, man. I met him. It was episode one. Gosh, I think it was 133. It was, it was a while ago. 120. I'm looking. Sorry, guys. 122. That was with Jay and Cameron McLeod. Um, Jay's a funny guy, man. He's one of those guys that came on the podcast and didn't want to do it. Was like, nah, this is stupid. I hate it. Kind of like how he talks. And uh, he came on and we clicked and go back and listen to that podcast. That's where Herp and Jana originated was on that podcast. And uh, I remember, you know, talking to Jay and him calling me Herp and Jana and, and I didn't, I started using it on my son all the time. And uh, it was part of the podcast. So rest in peace, Jay. Uh, you did a lot of big things for the fishing community down here in SoCal. And uh, you'll be missed, man. So uh, God bless you and uh, God bless his family. I really hope you guys like Jared's episode. And here's a little piece from that episode, 122. What's uh, one piece of advice you could give dudes that are uh, getting into fishing or maybe like a really good piece that you could give someone to make everything smooth for the whole fishing industry, you know? Dude, be respectful of others. I know it's not very fucking pointed, but it, you don't think it's very pointed towards fishing, but it is, dude, you know? And by saying that, there's so many things that comes about of it, dude. Watch what people, you know, watch what other people are doing on the boat. Watch what's happening. Watch other, you know, if you're fishing an island or if you're fishing somewhere close, dude, and there's another boat and this and that, just keep your eye open dude yeah, yeah. put some and time in, you know? jesus you know? it's really it really it's not rocket science like you see the two degenerate fucks that are sitting across <laughs> yeah. the table from you we can figure it out hey and time on the water exactly exactly <laughs> exactly it's like not dude, that fucking 2012 hard. dude i was fishing in a 13 foot livingston yeah with a fucking 15 horse yamaha dude and like these are sick they're so fun dude <laughs> and i still i mean still to this day dude i still have my biggest sea bass in that bitch dude. My, my biggest sea bass is a livingston too <laughs> fucking 72 pounds dude fuck man you know so at this point like it just takes time dude like people need to like my actually i'll take that back my biggest fucking piece of advice dude go fishing to go fishing don't go to fucking to catch dude. go to yeah. for the picture don't go for anything just go fish dude. yeah i'm just still bummed out that my and biggest it, sea bass in livingston was a 71.4 and you got me fucked on that one. <laughs> <laughs> over here having got a fucking bitch. tantrum <laughs> this is horse shit He came in, they got fucking annihilated. He said all kinds of shit he didn't want people to hear. Oh, boy. So I had to come and redo that whole episode. Oh, wow. So I had to act very like, did you, oh, yeah. did you do this? Oh. oh, no way. You know, like, and, <laughs> dude, I've done some shit where you would, you guys would trip. I've, I did one. I think it was with, uh, beep, and I deleted like half of my track, Oh boy. but I could hear it in the background. So I recorded my voice talking the same shit I said. Okay. Because I used to be a recording engineer. So I know how to do like ADR, the dialogue replacement. Yeah. So I could listen to it and know what, what's going to happen next. Like our, how I can say it, I can hear it. So I just redid like a half hour of the fucking audio. Oh, that's cool. And mixed it and it, you couldn't tell. Yeah. <laughs> I said, dude, you trust me. I've fucked up a lot of, a lot of stuff. But um, so we're going to start over again because I fucked up, like I just said. And uh, we're doing Jared a lot. Captain of the Gale Force. Um, we're going to talk about how he got into fishing with his dad and 
pinheading and your dad building boats. So kind of break that down a little. Oh, well, it all started when I was a kid. My my dad built the boat from scratch in the backyard. <laughs> you know, he feels he could. I could tell right Jared's like I just fucking said this. <laughs> but yeah, he, he he built a boat from scratch in the backyard, and as long as I can remember, he's taking me fishing. Uh, I got pictures when I was a kid of me hanging around in a half-built boat in the backyard, and uh, you know, it kind of just piqued my interest. My dad, he was a deckhand when he was in high school, coming out of high school. Do you remember what boat he was a deckhand on? I want to say it was the Blackjack out of uh, Redondo Sport Fishing, and as well as the City uh, city and Special. So. Did you grow up in Redondo? I did. Okay. I did. I was a Redondo boy. Just Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so your dad has some history in, in the Redondo Sport Fishing, like he's been doing his whole life kind of thing? Uh, yes and no. He did it like it was, a, it was a high school thing for him, and he did it a little bit coming out of high school, and but he's a carpenter carpenter by trade so he did the sport fishing thing made the money and then went on to something a little more stable anyways did you did your dad ever want you to get into carpentry no he kind of saw my love for fishing growing up um from running around on all my days off from school fishing he he, he knew that's what i wanted to do and yeah so you were how old were you when you started uh going on the boats and stuff like that uh eight years old i went out on a half day with my dad he won the jackpot in the morning he said, hey, you guys can keep the jackpot. Let my son come out and scrub the boat in the afternoon. History after that. Isn't that kind of crazy, though? We always, I always hear this story like, there's no way in fucking hell I will leave my eight-year-old son on a fucking <laughs> boat. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. Now it's a different time. And, I mean, we look at the internet and you see fucking kids getting taken by people and stuff. Yeah. But it was a different time, of course. Exactly. Like, you didn't see a lot of things happen. But isn't it kind of wild, like... Do you think if you had, do you have a son? No, no, I do Would not. you let your son, eight-year-old son, go on a boat? I would because I know the industry. I know a lot of people in it. I think that's what my dad was thinking. My mom thought it was crazy, but my dad was, <laughs> dad was like, I know these people, you know, I was doing it. He's fine. Yeah. I guess that's a different story. Because, yeah. And I guess if it was with someone, a couple of dudes I knew, they're going to keep an eye on you. Yeah. But still, it's still fucking crazy. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> How times have changed. Yeah. Um, so you learned a lot being a pinhead on those boats. I did. I personally did it for fishing, you know, every now and then they hand me 10 bucks and I, I would be stoked. I didn't, I didn't do it for the money. I did it because I love fishing. I go out, get to fish a little bit, scrub the boat at the end of the day. I don't, I don't know what else more you can ask for at eight, 10 years old. Did you, uh, run into the, any of the, of the clients or people that come on later on in life? Um, not yes and no. There's a couple guys that remember me from my pinheading days, but a lot of those people, they kind of stay in Redondo. And once I left Redondo, I didn't, you know, like I said, besides a couple few, didn't really run into too many. Um, there is like the local people that work around there. Uh, one guy in particular ran the Yellow Submarine. Mm-hmm. Um, I bumped into him throughout high school. I'd go down there, fish off the docks. It was right down the street. And, you know, they remember me. It was pretty cool. <laughs> That's a that's a that's a the harbor that's kind of farther away from everything as well too, right? Because Redondo is uh, that's where Navagante is, and yeah. So Jacob and uh, Mike run that one, right? Yeah, yeah. So I've done a couple of charters with them actually as well. Okay, but uh, that's a it's a far harbor to get to. Oh, it that's is. The thing. It is way. It's it's pretty far from the freeway. It's far from pretty much everything besides what they got. And that's kind of I guess could see why you could be in that area and not really leave to other. Harbors yeah. because it's like, dude, it's a mission to get somewhere else. Oh, no, it is. It is. If I didn't grow up there, I probably would have never fished out of there. 
Did you fish up in Malibu at all when you were younger? Uh, not really. No. I, I think the only time I've ever fished up there was when I fished tournaments over okay. at a Marina del Rey. Okay. Um, so as you got a little older, well, you started fishing the docks more. And uh, how did that go? Um, it, it was cool. That's kind of what got me started. I, I met Evan Salve through you know, working at a Redondo and that's what we did when we weren't on the boats we were running around the harbors whether it be redondo or del rey or all the way down to san diego fishing trying to catch bodies calico sandbag anything really was san diego still as good as it is now like was it that much better then i honestly are the same i honestly haven't fished it and i couldn't even tell you how long but <laughs> i remember there was a lot of small fish yes okay. um you know you'd get the big standout but us not being from down there it was mostly small fish for us okay what harbor was the harbor when you guys are smaller? Like, you're like, this is the harbor. This is. Um, Marina del Rey, more or less. Uh, it consistently produced bigger fish, um, but it was the hardest in terms of not getting kicked out. We'd get kicked <laughs> off of docks all the time. We get harassed, you know, luckily we're young, so we never got tickets, but yeah. I'd say that was, uh, that was the one for us. Um, yeah, I, I heard, I think it's still kind of a really good harbor. Yeah. I haven't been there who knows how long, but it, yeah. it was good. Didn't Jason get chased out of there a couple of times by the security guard lady? Oh, we all did. <laughs> His girlfriend, that's what Bobby said. <laughs> the big lady in the security guard yelling at him all the time. Oh, wow. Yep. <laughs> um, so you guys would fish all these harbors all the time, you and Evan. Um, when did you guys get a little deeper into it? Like, how did that happen? Um, I Evan started looking into getting a boat, and he was looking into the tournament thing, and uh, that's kind of what got us started doing other things. Um, we started going down to PV fishing calicos off the surf cause that was the next step from Harbor fishing and it was good. We'd have some good days down there, caught some big bass at that point in time. It was only three inch big hammers. That's all we ever fished. And he did, uh, he did end up getting a boat and we watched lots of YouTubes and kind of got us, uh, into the calico scene. Yeah. How big of a, of a game changer was it when you guys got on the boat? It was night and day. Yeah. You know, instead of going and fishing the harbors every day we had off, we'd jump on the boat and go to PV or go fish sand bass down below. Uh, whatever we could. It was all about fishing at that point in our life. Do you remember your first trip to Cat in that boat? I do. <laughs> it was... It probably shouldn't have been out there in a 17-foot box. <laughs> I was seasick as I, I could possibly... Really? Yeah, I used to get seasick oh, every day. Wow. It didn't matter how flat, calm it was, I would be seasick, but... Just it was a love of fishing for me. I pushed through and eventually got over it. Really? So you just pushed through to make yourself get over it? Yeah, I just I'd puke. I'd go back to fishing if I got really sick. I'd take a little twenty minute nap, but it was just part of the game for me. Damn. Yeah. Uh, how good was Cat back then? Because I feel like it's a little. It was probably a little different then. It was good. I, we two. I think I was probably twelve or thirteen. Evan was a little bit older. Wait, uh, you were fucking. 12. No, I might have been a little older than I was that. Like, Dude. Yeah. <laughs> That point in my life, there's so much yeah. fishing that went on. It kind of all mushes together. Um, but us having no experience at the island, that's before I had ever fished it before. We were able to go out there and, you know, have 20 to 50, 60 calico days. All surface iron, big weedless swim baits. How big were the fish then? Um, I'd say average was like two or three pounds, and then you get a few standouts here and there. Just is consistent, nice grade. Then when did you guys start the tournament fishing? Um, I was in high school. I want to say I was 16. Evan was 
19, 18, something like that. Just old enough to start the tournaments. And, uh, yeah, that's pretty much it. <laughs> so humble. So humble over here, you know? It's fishing. It's a, it's a big deal. I mean, you guys kind of did it when it was at its heyday. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, it was something special. I, I, I loved fishing. Evan was excited to go out and compete. So yeah. I, I wanted to be a part of it, you know? And so then, uh, do you remember some of your top placings? Or some of the, uh, of the, the biggest things you guys did? I remember. Know? I want to say it was the first, first or second tournament we fished. It was out of Dana Point. And Evan found a little floating like uh one of those little plastic green army men he picked it up out of the water put it on the dash he said this is going to be our good luck charm the last 30 minutes of the day we hadn't have didn't have a single legal fish on the boat so i took the army man and threw it on the deck in the back of the boat and said that's the worst good luck charm ever and then we put together evan i th- i want to say it was nine pounds Evan got a nine pound calico what the? F- and all of a sudden just last 30 minutes of the day we threw on a limit of all solid fish and we ended up getting third place or something like that Dude, it was third that's a big deal and you know what's crazy is back then so before sbs uh there was no rookie division no everyone fished against each other yeah so for you to take a third like that is taking a third master being a rookie and just coming up and going later you know it was it was cool. We I was thoroughly shocked. So was Evan. We pulled a <laughs> pulled a rabbit out of our hat, and at that point, he was the only one. He he fished the harbor the day before, or two days before pre fished, not the harbor, but that area. And I had never fished it, and he had a total of one day experience fishing that area. We got lucky. We found a little <laughs> little section of kelp that wanted to bite, and we made it count. Did you guys keep the green mart Arnie man? <laughs> I honestly don't remember what happened to that thing. <laughs> I but. hope so. He fucking got you guys on him after you threw him on the ground, tried yeah. to smash him. Oh, I was I was a little bitter, but <laughs> it ended up working out all. So the, the, the craziest thing that I think I've seen is owning a 17-foot boat. And people even, like, thinking of going to San Clemente Island. Now, you did it. That's fucking crazy. Yeah, regularly, too. How many times do you think you went to San Clemente in a 17 over 10 times maybe maybe closer to 20 we used to do it whenever the the weather weather would uh permit back then you know how the weather forecasts were yeah (laughs) dude so do you remember your first trip going out there how was that it was good it's right when the uh, the big hammer sludge hammer came out i specifically remember that i was still stuck in the little baits i was fishing my four or five inch catching all sorts of small fish and I, i don't know if they were still prototyping it then or it just come out but evan you know, within the first five minutes, he hangs a giant on that big old nine-inch bait. And I'm like, no way, man. And it, he did all day long. Just kept hanging fish. And I, for the life of me, couldn't couldn't get myself to tie one of those on. But that was that was a trip that did it for me to realize that those, even the small calicos will, will eat a big, giant bait. On that bait, how were you fishing that bait? Uh, at that point in time, we were burning it on the surface. We fished it on a one or two ounce lead head, and we were burning it. So this is before actual people were fishing the weedless. Yeah. Thing. Um, and then you guys also used to also fish like a slug or like on the on top too. A little bit, a little yeah. bit. Um, I, that was more my thing. Evan was never really a fan of the slug, but something about it just piqued my interest. You know, it was something different. He didn't really fish it like a swim bait. He kind of you know jerk it, pause it, twitch it. It it did good for me. What head were you fishing that on? Uh, just a weedless hook. 
Okay. Just fire oh, it up. Really? Yeah. Just straight just on, on top the of surface. the water? Yeah. Just... You get a little gap between kelp stringers. You take a few turns, it'll wobble, and then you pause it, and it kind of sit there and sink down. Just... What kind of slug were you fishing? MC. MC? Yeah. That's a that's a good trick. I mean, it for is. sure. And that was your thing that you figured out that you just loved. Well, it was it was already a thing. I'm pretty sure that's how Corey Sandin fished them. And yeah. it was it was already a thing in San Diego, but I just, you know, took it elsewhere. Applied it up yeah. There. Yeah. That's a that's cool, man, hearing the little bits of history. What gear were you using at the time? Um that was when uh Curados that uh, Evan was all fired up about the Curados. I still had a couple old Calcuttas and you know, they just the one at that time, at least the ones I had, didn't have the gear ratio to fish it, so you know, it was definitely made things <laughs> tough. Um, were you guys focusing on any other fish then? Just bycatch. You didn't give a shit about no. it. Were you catching yellows and stuff then? Not really. That was when no. yellowtail fishing was tough. Up until 2014, you know, if you were if you caught a yellowtail, it was high fives all around. Damn, that's yeah. wild. That's I saw I saw yellowtail fishing at its worst and at its best. <laughs> it's just part of the cycles. So you also had a big uh, sand bass bag, right? Yes. Yeah. Uh, I don't remember what year it was, but it was one of the last years I fished tournaments with Evan. And I don't know if it's still, um, it still is, but at that point in time, it was the biggest bag of sand bass weight in SWBA history. And how big was that? They're, uh, just over 32, maybe closer to 33 pounds. Shit. Yeah, it was one of those nights where no current, no wind. We sat right on top of the spot and you, you, you'd hit the bottom, you'd click your reeling gear and you'd just lift up. If it didn't pull drag, you were trying to shake it off so you can keep your bait down there. What a bait was a big hammer. Um, yes, it that that trip we were fishing six and a half inch midnight phantom, so big big swim baits, getting them down on heavy lead heads, and you didn't even have to move them. Damn, dude, it was good fishing. That's great. That's yeah. an amazing bag. What was the big? Where did the big fish go? I think the big fish was eight or nine. No, eight is between eight and nine, somewhere in there. That's a big sand bass. Yeah. What is your PB calico and PB sand bass? Oh gosh, um, <laughs> I know for a fact I got a seven point eight calico um, when Evan had first got his boat off a of PB. I remember that vividly. Uh, when he got it, what off a of PB? Yeah, no, off a of PB. Yeah. What do you mean? PB the area. Oh, when he Palace when you guys went over there fishing. Yeah, okay. when we first started fishing okay. on his boat. Um, 7.8 cal sand bass. I couldn't tell you. Here comes the cold beers. Oh yeah. Oh, you just fucked the camera <laughs> up. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, you betcha. He was waiting for that. You see, he didn't open the hot one. It's fine. Rocks are good. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um, you caught a seven. Then that was your big calico. Yeah, and to this day, that's my biggest weighed one. You know, really? I, I've probably gotten bigger, especially on the sport boats, but we don't weigh them. We let them go or <laughs> eat them. Yeah, someone someone gets to enjoy it. Are you big on uh, calico conservation? Or you really don't. I'm not it? against it. You know, if someone comes out fishing, they catch a big one, they leave it up to them. If they want to let it go, I won't give them crap. You yeah, know, by all means, that's fine. Yeah, if they want to keep it. Okay, cool. High five. <laughs> nice fish. I eat the fuck out of cow. I love yeah, cow. Oh, they're delicious. Yeah, I'm not I'm not against it. Like I, I guess said. it's probably one of my favorite fish to make fish tacos out of, too. Oh, yeah. It's like I love them. They're man. good eating. Can't beat a nice uh, calico fish taco. Did you, and your sand bass, how big? I I couldn't tell you. You never I weighed have it? No idea. I, I don't remember on that tournament if I caught it or he caught it. It's one of those, one of those trips. It was so wide open. We were just throwing small ones out, putting big ones in. 
it so why'd you stop fishing tournaments i got busy on the sport boats um oh were you deck handing at the time too? yeah i was um that's that that's what made it hard for me evan was always pushing like hey we got to pre-fish we got to do this and i'm like i, I honestly can't yeah, man i'm sorry between school because i was still in high school deck handing on the weekends to try and make enough money to fish these tournaments it was hard for me to stay in the game with them yeah did you were you around when he flipped his boat i was i was actually i remember i was sitting in class and i got a phone call i looked at my phone i'm like i can't answer that i'm in class then i get another one and another one so i raised my hand hey can i go to the bathroom and i go answer my phone and it was my buddy matt grohlman he called and he said hey we're on the beach evan flipped his boat can you come pick us up i'm like dude i'm in the middle of school uh let me see what i could do i called my parents they were like okay you know, here, we'll, we'll call, we'll sign you out. You got to go do what you got to do. Mm-hmm. They were cool about it. So drove down there, picked him up, and yeah, it was a, it was one of those days. Did that, so you're used to fishing the beach then pretty close. Yeah. Tight. Oh, yeah. Did it change your mind after that? Definitely. There was always a sense of, uh, you know, I got to pay a little more attention, you know. But it's wow. it, it could get sketched sometimes. So the crazy thing is, is you had the group. Who was the group you guys fished with? that adrian because jeff walker too right yeah jeff walker jeff. and he's a captain now right yeah. what boat he uh he owns the fortune okay see so that's cool to see all you guys grow up and kind of do something where evan's doing his thing with jungle boys you're a captain jeff who else did you fish with uh i fished with jason cordan um a bunch of other people that i i'm not sure if you guys would know but that, that was our main low core group mm-hmm. me evan jeff jason there's a few other of us but you guys all lived up that way as well, right? Yeah. We're yeah. all from Redondo area. So when you stopped uh, doing the uh, tournament angling, then you kind of moved to uh, deck handing. What boat was that on? I was. Uh, I started off on the Sport King. And I was 14 years old when I first started getting a paycheck. And I at that time, I was still doing the tournaments and stuff. Um, but... Uh, when I really started to get into it, I graduated high school. That's when I started deckhanding on the Gale Force. Okay. And So you've been on the fucking Gale Force your whole life. <laughs> I've pinheaded on it, too, before that. I've, I've been all over the place. But, yeah, no, I've been on the Gale Force. I think I started pinheading on it a little bit when I was 12. Kind of bounced between that and the Sport King because they're right next to each other. And then, you know, deckhanding there, graduated high school, started deckhanding on the Gale Force um and a lot of other boats in between oh did you did you move to other boats then yeah okay. I, I worked deck on the thunderbird when they were doing half days at a birth 55 you got to work with with the guy was thunderbird jeff the guy at the time oh no that was before he was a part of it that okay. was before it went to newport all right but yeah i worked with them at a birth 55 and when they were at la harbor i worked on the tornado um that's more or less for around here yeah did you work down in San Diego as well? I did. Uh, 24, the start of the amazing fishing. I went down. Um, I started on the Vagabond. I was okay. doing multi-day and long-range trips on the Vagabond. And How was that? Changing from uh, going from, you were doing half days or three quarters, to going to do trips like that? It was it was a change of pace for sure. Um, the fishing, the clientele, the pretty much everything about What's it. What's different about the clientele? You get a little more gung-ho, guys. Okay. I would deal in Pedro. I'd deal with a lot of people that just wanted to go out and catch a couple of fish. I was before, like I was telling you, the yellow tail weren't a thing. So you go out, you catch calicos, maybe some bonita, some bottom fish. And then I just happened to leave right before the fishing got amazing. <laughs> but I saw some pretty <laughs> I'm awesome sure down stuff. there yeah. it was going it was, off, it was right? unreal. That first 2014, 
they, we'd leave at, uh, I think it was like noon. And by the end of the first day, we'd have between 50 and 100 yellowfin, all like 20 to 30 pounds. Just unreal yellowfin fishing. So you, was it just like a complete shock to you? Yeah, like, I Dude, was, what's the, going the on? first trip I worked and I, I just looked at the captain. I'm like, is this how it always is? He said, no. <laughs> and it just kept getting better and better as the season went on. Yeah. That's kind of crazy. And seeing that, I mean, I always say it like I've talked about Gary. I'm like, I missed the, um, the, I never got to see that, that sand bass bite where the sand bass came in, you know, you catch yeah. a million of them. Did you see all that happen too? Well, that's kind of what we focused on out of yeah. Pedro when yeah. that was there. Um, so what made you come back up this way after we San Diego? I got my captain's license. Um, and literally the day I got my blue book or my orange book in my hand, uh, Ryan. What's, what's the blue book? I don't know. <laughs> a normal passport, I guess. But Ryan called me and he said, I heard I got your captain's license. I got two boats. I need a guy to come run one of them. And I couldn't think anyone better than you. So, so you, you've only been on this boat your whole career. Pretty much, yeah. yeah. It's, I've been on it since I was a kid. So do you want to like run a different, bigger boat, or what? what's the plan? Sometimes, when the weather's shitty, yeah. <laughs> but no, 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 I'm seeing not a bigger boat, but maybe even like a long-range boat or something like that. It's it's not really. No? No, I enjoy Catalina even. It, through the good and the bad. I've seen it at the best and it's worst, but you know, it's... it's what do you think it's at right now? It's... In between? I would say it's on the downhill trend. Really? Yeah. Why uh, do you think it is? Because every year we're seeing less and less yellowtail. It's just the water's getting colder and colder. It's just part of the cycle. We had phenomenal fishing with the warm water. Uh, I actually saw the coldest water I've seen this winter, 56 degrees at Catalina. Wow. So every winter it's getting a little colder. Every summer it's getting a little less warm. You know, I think we're going to start seeing more sea bass, more, you know, or there's definitely more squid now than there has been for the past few years, and it's just going to change things. Now, we might still see volume of yellowtail, but from what I've seen from the past couple of years, it's not it's not what it has or what it was in 2014, 2015, and even 2016 and 17. Does that scare you a little being a captain? Like, No, it's going gonna, it's gonna to weed the, the real fishermen out. You know, when I started fishing as a kid, when I first started going to Catalina, if you caught a yellowtail, your boat would be full the next day just for one fish. You know, if you had three or four, you were sold out for a week. That's crazy, it, dude. It's part of the cycles, you know. And if the people, a lot of people that started fishing during El Nino, they're gonna have a hard time understanding that. So you know, it might weed out some of the fishermen. It might not. Maybe people realize it is what it is. And there's other stuff to fishing than going out and catching big giant yellowtail. You know, having beer, catching anything really. <laughs> you know, what? Uh, who do you give your uh, like learning? So who do you like give your uh, kudos to? Like saying, hey, this guy taught me a lot. This captain. Really show me the ropes, show me like how to maybe treat your clients, stuff like that. In all honesty, there there's been a few guys that really taught me a lot. Bruce Root from the Sporking was when I started pinheading on there. He's a guy that really took me under his wing and taught me how to be a fisherman. Rod and Reel, he he taught me a lot about fly line and sardines and you know the all the basics. And then from there, uh. San Diego, you know, a lot of the customer service aspects of it, and it's you know, a lot different down there than it is up here. Do you feel like since you're like more gun-ho dudes, you got to be really on top of shit down there? Uh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Definitely. Everyone has their their idea of their fishing trip or what, what it needs to be, and if it's not, 
especially when they're paying that much money to go on a fishing trip. You know, you get a lot. Is of it a lot more expensive in San Diego to go on the, the boats yeah, down there? Yeah. It is. It is. But you know, it you, you pay for what you get. A nicer boat, nicer crew, better bait. I I got a lot. Of, I get a lot of people that come out fishing with us, and especially the last couple of years with the bluefin. We're fishing next to some of those guys on those five, six, some of those longer trips. And, <laughs> yeah. You know, you get the people that'll make comments like, oh, I can't believe people are paying that much money to come fish next to us, you know, paying a lot less. Like, well, you got to think about it. You're, you're paying you're paying for the platform. You get a nicer boat, getting, I wouldn't say a better crew, but, you know, a little different. Well, you get a different experience, exactly. of course. You know? Exactly. That's yeah. like if I run, I'm running a charter, you know, I'm running a charter with you guys. I'm not going to charge what a regular charter is going to charge because I'm bringing a shitload of stuff to give away and rods. Yeah. You're going to fit. If you're a freshwater guy, you're fishing with fucking Butch Brown. Exactly. And fucking, no, I, so I it's kind of like a different. Yeah. And, and I get that a hundred percent, but at the same time, um, to me, it'd be like, I'd be going, I can't believe we're fishing next to this guy exactly. in this boat and doing the same shit for the price that I'm paying. Not like I can't believe how much they're paying. You know yeah. what I'm saying? No, I get that. Definitely. Because it's like it doesn't being the captain is kind of like a different story where you got to like deal with these people and you can't go tell them to fuck off, you know. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? As much like as I wish I could sometimes. I'm sure now. you do. <laughs> and I, I'm, dude, it's like any customer service job. Yeah. You get tired of fucking people, you know. And it's like, who's your guys' cook in the in the uh, Gale Force? Uh, right now we got this guy named Jake. Who did you have before that? Uh, Marky. The Seavery? Did he cook there? Siv, yeah, we did have Siv for a that little piece bit. piece of shit. Oh, Make sure he's not the cook on my fucking trip. <laughs> yeah, no, he's off doing teacher no, I like stuff him. now. Yeah, he's a, he's cool. a band teacher now, right? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I showed him my kid. My kid's a big drumline kid. Okay. And I showed him, he's like, no way, he's really good. And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> Tried to get him to donate to something. He's being a piece of shit. But <clears throat> So, you, I mean, running the boat, like, you, this is cool that you've ran this boat for that long. Because, you, I mean, it's how long you've been running for? Uh, I've been running that boat for six or seven years now. It's a long time, something, right? Something like that, yeah, since, yeah, I think it's been about that long. I left San Diego in 2015, so. Did you move down there? No, I just, I'd go down there and work between 20 and 40 day stretches. I just live on the boat, <laughs> come back for a day or two, and then go back down there. But that's, that's wild. That, that's when it was good, you know? There's no reason to come, well, at least I had no reason to come home. You know, if I had a couple of days off, come home, do laundry, catch up with my friends, and get back to it. Yeah. What about the big bluefin? Have you had to chase them ever? A little bit. Um, after I worked on the Vagabond in 2014, I saw, you know, the the overnight multi-day, the shorter boats were, they were doing a lot better, you know? So in my head, I, I kind of had a hard time with the long range thing because there was a lot of downtime. There was a lot of travel days, and that's just not my speed. So I went from the Vagabond to the New Loan. I worked there for a season, and that that was the first year they started to catch the big bluefin. And um, I remember one day in particular, we had, I think it was seven bluefin over 100 pounds. And that, at that point, it was unheard of. Yeah. Absolutely unheard of. We were the first boat to, to do anything. That was on the like New Loan. The, the New Loan, okay. yeah. We had all the fish lined up in the stern and the rails, just like a long-range boat. We came in, the news was down there, and they were interviewing every people, everybody. It was It was cool. And there was a couple months there where that's all we did. We were the boat. I don't know if any of the other boats were doing it because there was other stuff. You can go load up on the elephant and do other stuff. But we kind of specialized as the boat that would go to go out and fish for those big bluefin. 
So you kind of learned it, kind of cut your teeth on catching the big yeah. elephant. At and the that time. was that was before the the flying fish, you know, the frozen flyers. I remember uh, there was one day where uh, the guy on the success called. I I think it was Marcus running the new land called him and mentioned that they'd got a big one on the yummy flyer. So we tried to skip the yummy flyer and it was just wasn't it wasn't the open party thing at that point, you know, how it's changed since then. Yeah. So we went back to stopping on scattered fish, everyone's fly lining mackerel, fishing the sinker rig, we'd have a balloon out with the mackerel on it. Mm-hmm. If we were fishing the kite, it was a double treble or some sort of live bait. It was before flying fish kind of took over. With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, motion sounds something like this. Kizik helps you experience the magic of motion. With over 200 patents and easy on, easy off technology, you'll never have to touch your shoes again. There are hundreds of styles and colors, plus a squish like nothing you've ever felt. For a limited time, get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com socks. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. So do you do you remember when they started using the frozen flying fish or the G fly stuff? I I don't because after that season I got my ticket and I went back up and started running the Gale Force and that was kind of you never really had to do it on the Gale. You're no. like you're, you're more of like focusing on like Catalina. what's there at Catalina. Yeah, at that point it was phenomenal yellowtail fishing. You know, you go out and that's kind of what you targeted. Yeah. You know, if it was slow yellowtail fishing, you go catch calicos or bonita or you catch them in the mix, but it was yellowtail fishing every day. That's what people want. Is Bonita wanted. a big fish? It can't be. I'm just yeah. fucking with you. I mean, <laughs> you've seen you seen Step Brothers. Yeah. Okay. Just to, I'm just to make sure. You're a younger guy. You know. You know. I don't know. Oh yeah. No, I get that a lot. <laughs> um. So, uh, like, Bonita. Will you keep Bonita though and eat them? Because I just found out they're pretty good. To I personally eat. do, and everyone says they're disgusting. I will only eat them here and there. I'll catch if we have an extra one and it's fresh. I'll take it home. Uh, we cook it on the boat a lot. We get those groups that just, no, we don't want it. And that's all there is to catch. You know, it's slow fishing or whatever. We'll cook it up in the galley. You smother it in mail, little Lowry's and pepper, throw it on the grill. It's phenomenal. Bobby but, fucking showed me. He's like, bleed it out. Fucking get yeah, I'm like, no, if you we're bleed, catching them on jerk baits. Yeah. I'm like, this is fun. I'll, I'll oh, keep yeah. them. Then he's like, just do what I say. And I prepared it and I made a pokey for my son. Oh, it's he's so like, good. dude, it is so <laughs> good. And I'm like. Dude, this is almost like fucking yeah. like bluefin, dude. Oh, it I, like I, I like it better, to be 100% honest. I think it has a little more flavor. It's a little yeah. sweet. It's a little different, you know? But I people like overlook it. that fish a lot, they too. Do. Like, they it's do. a well, shit it's, fish, It's too. also one of those fish, if you don't take care of it, it's, I mean, it's even another, tuna. Exactly. You know? Exactly. That's a whole nother fucking thing, taking care of your fish, right? Yep. That's 90% of the battle. You yeah. Can, you can make anything taste good if you take care of it, right? Yeah. No, I've, I've that was one thing that changed when I, I'm like, all right, if I have the right stuff. Because I feel like if I go out and I'm just fucking around and I don't have ice or a way to bleed it or do anything yeah. like that, then I'm not going to keep it. You it's know? not like, worth it. If it's going to go mush and be disgusting, <clears> why kill it? Have you caught bluefin out of the uh, your boat, Gale Force? Yeah. Um, not last year. The year before was the first year we got the bluefin. And they were off the backside. I think it was five miles or so or something like that. And 
it was good fishing. You stop on a, we don't have a sonar, so you stop on a couple meter marks and it just straight plunker bite all day long. Yeah. And it was only for a few days. So we took advantage. We took round rods out there to catch them. Like we had the wrong groups all three days, but we did it. <laughs> and these guys oh, were having man. the times of their life. And I'm like, I don't know if you guys realize what we're doing right now, but it was good grade fish and they were biting. Synchrony, you know, it's cool. I've heard Wes Pearson say the same thing. He's like, I talk, I talked to him and I've said this story before. I'm like, he's like, you know, this isn't going to happen again if it, it goes away. Mm -hmm. So get out and catch a bluefin if you can. That's because it. Especially the big this ones. This is it, dude. Yep. This is it. And I'm like, yeah, you're probably fucking right. Because you might not catch a fish like this again. Yeah. So like you said, it, it you guys don't understand, like, this isn't going to happen again. It could not fucking happen again. You know what I'm saying? So. Yeah. That's what I try to explain to people. We got to, like, a lot of the charters we get, they've been coming out with me since I was a kid. They know me from when I was a pinhead on the Gale Force. Dude. We got a lot of repeat clientele. And. You know, they, they seen it, they saw it at its worst and they've seen it at its best, but you get a lot of first time charters or people that are following the fish counts. It's a little different. Yeah. Um, you do like to go rock fishing a lot. Oh, too. I love rock fishing. That's my favorite. That's what I heard. That's why I, I mean, uh, Bobby said you're, you're pretty good at rock fishing. You have a lot of spots at Catalina. Yeah. Just fish a lot. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I fucking hate rock fishing. It's... Why do you like rock fishing so much? You know, when it's good, it's good, and they taste good, and you get the big giant right. reds that come up. Everyone gets excited. You know, it's it's an over, it's an overlooked fishery. You know, they're good eating. They're fun to catch. I don't care what you say. You drop down, you get two nice big reds. They're gonna pull a little bit. They're gonna shake their heads. You know, it's it's not like yelltail fishing, but no. you got to be able to enjoy the little things like that. What did the limit really screw you guys? I wouldn't say so. It's not too often we go out and catch limits of big reds. You know, we got a lot of other things in the mix, salmon grouper, chuckleheads. The chucklehead thing, it didn't really affect us until this year. Once they made the limit one, we started catching all sorts of chuckleheads, which is Dude. I couldn't believe it. The first the first day we went out rock fishing, we had like 16 chuckleheads, and we only we were doing a lobster trip, so we only had 10 guys. I mean, this never happens. Damn. And ever since then, you know, we're throwing them back, uh, sinking them out, descending them, and yeah, it's kind of surprising. They, they know. They, what about a, a sheephead? Can you keep them? Yeah, yeah. you can yeah. still keep them. There was talk at the end of last season about the quota. I don't know if they were doing that to scare us or what, but you can still keep them, and it's still five fish as far as I know. I fucked up because uh -oh. I thought you couldn't keep them, and my son caught, like, three good ones on hyzers. This yeah. is, I took them out just – we went – it was when nachos just had squid. That was it. Yeah. So I'm like, all right, fuck it. Let's do what we can. And we go out in my boat, eyesers, drop down. They start catching fish. They catch some big sheephead. I'm like, fuck, can you keep those? I'm like, I don't know. Let's just throw them back. <laughs> yeah. I call Bob. He's like, you could have fucking kept one. I'm like, shit, yeah. oh, too bad, you know? That's but like right. you said, safe and sorry. I'd rather, yeah, exactly. You know? that's, a, that's a, how's calico fishing been for you guys? Um, I actually, last summer, I, I went up to Alaska for a couple months. So I missed a little bit of the season. Yeah, I worked uh, up at a resort in Alaska. Do we'll talk about that? Yep. Um, well, there was this big thing. I was gonna move to Washington and ended up not working out, so I had already taken a job up in Alaska. What were you? Were you gonna work in Washington on a sport boat? No, I my, my girlfriend got a job offer up okay. there, so we were gonna go up there, and it ended up not working out. It got really busy for her down here. Um, but I had already quit the Gale Force and accepted the job up in Alaska, so. Like, well, you know, it's an experience I might not ever be able to do again. So I went up, worked the summer up there. And uh, luckily enough for me, the guy that was filling in for me on the Gale Force was moving out of state. So my job oh, was shit. waiting for me when I got back. 
What did you do up in Alaska? What, what? I was a guide at a waterfall resort. So we'd take people out uh, between two and four people, little little four-pack boats, and fish for everything from salmon to halibut, rockfish, lingcod, all the How's standard. How is the rock fishing up there? It's phenomenal, but 90% of them you can't keep. Why? Uh, they have a couple different types of rockfish, like categories. They have pelagic rockfish and non-pelagic rockfish. Um, non-pelagic rockfish are like the chuckleheads and uh, quillbacks and stuff that lay their eggs on the bottom. Mm-hmm. You can't keep those. Um, and then they got the pelagic ones, which lay their, their eggs mid-column. Those are the ones you keep. Why you can and cannot, <laughs> I don't know. It kind of makes sense if you think about it, but, you know, I just follow the regulations. And I think with the whole um, deduction of our limits, I think they're trying to do something more like Alaska. Yeah. It's a, now, I've seen a lot of people fish big plastic for these things. That looks fun. That's all, that's all we did up there. Really? Yeah, when we'd go rock fishing or halibut fishing, you put a big giant, I think they're like six-inch curly tail grub on a 16-ounce <laughs> head, drop it down, jig it up and down, you catch something. Everything would eat them. Was it a lot a lot of fun doing that, like setting up people on that, especially because you're like doing oversized calico fishing? Yeah, I, just, I, I, I took all sorts of stuff. I would fish down here, up there. I took flat falls, cold snipers, swim baits, and... <laughs> You know, if it was really good fish, and I'd tie them on with the rods, but here, try this. You know, something a little different. Have fun with it. You know, which is cool because you're bringing something from SoCal up there. Yeah. And it's kind of something different. Exactly. You know? uh, so you uh, did that for a whole season. Yeah. Did you? How good was it? Did you like love it? Would you? Could you have done it for a job? Uh, yeah. It was. It, you're not very convincing. The, the, <laughs> I the the thing that got me was being stuck on an island. I was on a remote island. We had a bar, and we had a cafeteria. That was it. So, what did you do on your off time? Go to the bar. <laughs> so you just got fucked up the whole time. Yeah, we'd get we'd get get back in, scrub the boats, and before we did anything, all of us would all the guides would walk up to the bar. We'd have a few cocktails. Our our passengers would come meet us in there. We'd bullshit, and from there we'd go to the cafeteria and then shower and go to bed for the next day. That was that pretty sounds much, like a lot of fun. It was cool. I I just I, I like being able to sleep in my own bed every night. I like being able to go hang out with people if I need to, or just, just, but you probably missed your girlfriend. Yeah, that too. Oh, it's so cute. (laughs) Try being married for fucking 20 years. Oh man. (laughs) I'm just fucking with you, Jared, but no, I get, I, I, that's dude. That's what I did. I I was going to go on tour bands. I didn't like touring really much. And, uh, yeah, I don't like being away from home. Yeah. That was my same as you. It's like, I went, that toxic day which was like a swim bait thing up north Mm -hmm. and it was the first time i've been away from my wife in 20 years oh wow so i had to stay by myself and i'm like sleeping i'm like shit usually got a kid in my bed except three boys i'm like usually the little ones in there and i'm like this is fucking weird you know (laughs) same as you you know so after you finish that up did they want to keep you there yeah now i got the offer to come back up this summer but it was kind of hard for me to to even think about it. And I was back home. I got my job back. I got lucky, you know, to leave again. Did I want to? I'm not going to say no. You know, it was fun. It was an experience, but I want to keep it like that. I don't want to turn it into a job. You know, I'd absolutely go up there and fish it and keep it that way. It's one of those things I wouldn't want to ruin. 
Did you, so if you were going to move to Washington, you would have just worked up there and then came back. Yeah, home? and then I'd have a little money to sit on, some time where I can actually look for something else to do up in Washington. That was my game plan, anyways. Okay. Just have a guarantee for when I did go up there. What kind of fishing to have in Washington? Uh, all sorts of stuff: rockfish, salmon, halibut. Really? They get the albacore up there. That's kind of their one of their main things. Have you gone on a sport boat up there? I have not. I've never even been up there. <laughs> So I heard uh, have a, a my son's buddy. His name's Noah. He's going to school in Monterey. Okay. So he worked on a boat up there. It's a deckhand, and the water's big as shit up there. It's not like here. And he's like, dude, no one puts the bait on there. Fucking hooks. Yeah, the crew does it. The crew does everything. That's, that's how it is in Alaska too. Is they, it? They dangle their I hooks. Why? Well, a lot of what they do is uh, mooching, even in Washington and stuff. They they. they so there's a special way you got to hook the bait. You got to put the hook in, What's spin mooching? it around. I don't know what that is. It's uh, essentially slow trolling. Okay. So you got a banana sinker with a six foot leader and two uh, two hooks at the end, kind of in line there. Like you'd be halibut fishing a little bit, and you you cut the head off a herring, and you rig it so it spins, and that's ninety nine percent of the fishing you do in Alaska, unless you're actually doing the, the trolling plastics, or, it... or the plastics, okay. yeah. So it's, it's kind of boring a little? Oh, it's like yo-yoing. The passengers are holding the rods in their hands. They're dropping it down. Okay, and they then they do 20 turns. Okay. So they're actually getting to participate in the fishing. Yeah. But I guess because you guys got to make sure you, you have it all set up exactly. right. Exactly. If it doesn't work. spin right, it's not going to get bit. It has to be a nice, tight spin. If it's wobbly, or yeah, if it's wobbly, the only time they're going to eat it is when they're really biting. What did you learn up in Alaska that you kind of bring down here? Is there anything you kind of learned, something different? Um... Not really. No. A lot of, I mean, how they take care of their rockfish, everything gets descended. It's not, not a lot of boats do that up here. You know, it's hard, especially when you have a lot more people. But the way they do their descenders, they don't put them on rods. You have a hand line, so it makes everything a lot easier. I made one. Why my... does a hand line work better than a rod? Because when you got a rod, you're dropping down a big giant weight, and then you're trying to wind it up on a reel. <laughs> it's a lot easier just to get a bunch of buck cord or some sort of rope and just pull it up by hand. Shit, yeah. dude. It's, it sounds like more work to me. Eh, yes I need a no. drill with the fucking thing on there. <laughs> I forgot that. That's a different story. Go to Daiwa and get one of those fucking electric Well, $1,000 things. That's it. <laughs> oh, man. Sorry. I like rockfish, but not that much. <laughs> I thought about buying one. I don't fuck. I hate rockfish. I would. If I was going rockfishing all the time, absolutely. I get regulars that bring them out, and you know, that's their thing. That's fine. I, I personally enjoy catching rockfish, so I want to. I want to be one on one with them. Get a big red or something. They're gonna pull. There you go. You got a you got an electric reel. You know you, you might lose it. It might uh, overpower. He doesn't want to it. fight with his friends. He wants to fight one on one. No, I get it. I mean, or even like I guess taking like the kids out. Like they're, I fucking took my sons out thanks to fucking Rockfish Bobby. He fucking gave me these spots, you know. And oh yeah, he does a, good. <laughs> when he gave me the spots, you'll laugh. He's like. If you see a fucking boat you come next away. to you, he's like, you pull those fucking wheels <laughs> up and you fucking drive. I'm like, why? He's like, trust me. So I said, okay. So this was like two years ago, three years ago. I'm like, hey, we're going to have a 4th of July party. I'm going to make fish tacos. He's like, all right, I got you. So I took both my boys. My one was uh, six, 14 or 15. The other one's eight or nine. I think we caught, it was 10 at the time. So it was 30 fish. Okay. Like quick as fuck. Oh, yeah. And they weren't like, they're like a pound to two pounds. That's like, perfect. Shit, dude. We fucking killed it. And uh, it was fun. The kids. Yeah. But after a minute, it's like, <laughs> I did one. I'm good. And yeah. I'm fucking sitting there 
reeling fucking, you know, 30 fucking, you know, whatever, 15 times. It's a fucking bitch. It is. It is. <laughs> a lot of the stuff we do at Catalina is shallow water. You know, we, we'll do the deep stuff. And, uh, you know, it can be good out there. What, I, when you, what do you consider shallow water when you're rock fishing? I, I, 120 feet, 120 to 180. No way. That's my, that's my favorite depth. You get a lot of small stuff, but you get some really, really quality fish in that shallower water. You got to fish a little different. You got to fish bigger baits, bigger hooks. You know, you get your bait picked a lot, but you know, you get some really big fish in some of those shallow water spots if you work at it. And that, that's my favorite type of fishing, a little lighter gear you know, a little lighter weight. You're not winding up as much. That, that's how I like rock fishing. That's just my personal opinion. Who uh, kind of turned you on to that? Which is something I figured out. A lot of it's the lobster fishing because we're so limited on rod in real time. We have to fish where we're hoop netting. A lot of times that's the isthmus or that's it's the front side. And generally the front side isn't known for very good rock fishing. So me being me, not much to do with 10 people on the boat. I found out a way to make it enjoyable for myself. And for my regulars that come out and they don't want their white fish, they don't want the small rock fish, I, I show them what I do to get the bigger quality fish in areas that aren't known for big quality fish. So what would, when you're doing this when you're running the lobster trips? Yes. Uh, how long do you let like it, how long do you have to fish in between drops usually when you do one? Um, generally there's no run real time, not much time in between sets unless we're fishing shallow. When we're fishing the deep stuff, which we do a good chunk of the season. By the time you get into number 10, it's already time to pull the first one. They have an hour, hour, 15 minute soak on them. Oh, no way. Yeah. So it takes you like to set up the first guy, you drop them and you're just dropping all the way down the line then coming back and hitting the same thing. Yep. We try and keep them in the water as long as we can. You know, if it's slow lobster fish and we do have a bad set, we'll pick up all the gear, move them, throw them all out, and then we'll have some time to hang out and fish. But for the most part, we try and keep them in the water as long as we can. So if they're soaking, they have a chance to catch a lobster. What time do you guys leave at usually to do the trips like that? We leave at noon. Um, we fish until, depending on the time of year and daylight savings, anywhere from 4 to 5 o'clock. Then we'll get the nets out, and then we'll fish until it gets dark. Then we start pulling. Oh, so you'll leave at noon, get there at 4, fish? Well, it, generally we get there at 2, so we'll have a couple hours to fish before we oh, even throw the nets cool out. Oh, this is a cool trip. Yeah, oh, they're fun. Well, you get to go home with a little fish. If you're lucky, you get a lobster or two or sometimes seven. What, if you don't mind me asking, what does it cost per person to do something like that? It's $180 per person. It's pricey, but we can only take 10 people. So That's we gotta, amazing. Yeah. I'd fucking be down as shit to do it's, it's It's something cool. It's different, you know. Uh, there's no other boats that I know of that do the combo trips besides the crab guys up, uh, up north. But there's a couple other boats that do lobster trips, but not the combo trips, so. So I think that, I mean, that's like what we, I mean, we, I fucking got a couple trips with guys and we'll fucking drop them. And then sometimes we're fucked because we let them soak too long and we're over there fishing too much. Oh yeah. You, get you know what I'm saying? Yeah. You know, like we'll be in the inner Harbor or something and we'll, we'll get a good bite going, you know, and sand bass are spotty. So, yeah. but no, I think that's a lot of fun. And it, especially to experience that on a bigger boat, I mean, with, uh, 10 other dudes that's nothing yeah it's nice you It'd got plenty a, of room yeah, to fish that's a shitload yeah. of room oh it's great they work out great i i enjoy them you know and especially the the rock fishing shallow things kind of like a, a cool thing the last couple of years i think a lot of dudes have been trying to do that that's only why i kind of try to pick your brain on it a little bit yeah um have you done any of that that uh oh, what do they do it's not uh the jigging for the rock fish like um, what is slow, it slow pitching or yes. whatever? Yes, have you done any of that? I personally don't. I, no. you know, everyone has their thing. 
Catalina is a highly pressured fishery, so you can try. There was actually a couple of guys a few trips ago that came down from up north and they had all their fancy jigs and I told them, hey, you know, I'm going to be honest, we don't really catch a whole lot on them, but they, they smoked it. They did good. I uh, couldn't tell you what kind of jigs they were using. They were funny looking things. Have you seen the rods they used? They look light little, as Yeah, fuck. little uh, super bendy little, little <laughs> trout rod looking things. <laughs> But no, these guys smoked and chuckleheads, sculpting. They caught every, everything they caught was quality. I looked at them. I'm like, well, you proved me wrong. That's awesome. Do you have any jigs you like to use for rock fishing? I don't like jigs. I you won't fish jigs? Nope. You know, if it's if I'm going somewhere exotic where the fishing's really good, yes. But I'll outfish anyone 10 to 1 fishing a nice fresh squid or a sardine, you know, depending on where we're fishing, coming up off the bottom, letting it sink down to the bottom, just doing something a little different. That, that's... <laughs> What I do, I'll catch more big fish than someone with a jig. At least where I'm from, you know, where I'm fishing. What's your uh, ideal setup? Do you uh, have like a certain hook you like to use, anything like that? Yes and no. I, I kind of keep it easy. I, I got my must-add hooks. Um, depending on how I'm fishing, I'll usually fish a 2.0 or a 3.0. I like fishing a one hook. What? Uh, one hook. Yep. One fish. Yep, one fish. That's all I need. But it's going to be One the right fish, fish to rule them all. Yep. It's going to be the right <laughs> fish. Yeah, two or three hook, depending on what I got for bait either. Why do, you, why do you think that's better to fish just one hook instead of two? It's, you know, it's just a personal preference. You can fish two all day, but. You feel like there's too much shit going on for, for uh, having two hooks? So, like, they see two. It can be, because sometimes when it gets good, you hook two of these big fish. A lot of the week, what we get is a big sheephead. You get two of those, you know, you're going to probably lose them both. Now they're going to be fighting against each other. You'll pull the hook on one. The other one will be kind of, the lip will be tore up or something. I just, I like having that one hook. I'm going to place it right where I need it to be in the water column, depending on what spot or what area I'm fishing. And then I got my eight ounce sinker on the bottom. What, what do you like to do leader wise? So like from the sinker to the hook, um, what do you usually like? Is there a certain like, I usually do about four foot. Okay. Um, but like I said, a lot of it depends on what area I'm fishing in the depth. There's a lot of white fish. I'll come up five turns off the bottom, get above the white fish, so they're not picking your hook clean. And it doesn't good, take good it, piece of information. It doesn't take much for a big red or a big sheephead to kick up a couple times off the bottom. But those little white fish, you know, they're gonna have to work to get way up there to get your bait. So it's a good call for it, dudes that, yeah. that rock fish, like you know, like something yeah, we to could, think about. You know, exactly. You know, it doesn't it, big fish. You know, a couple tail kicks, they'll they'll move 10, 15 feet off the bottom for the right bait. What rod and reel do you like to use? Or just an example, not, you know, to say like, I use this rod, you know what I'm saying? A 20 size reel with, you know, I, I, I got a lot of nine foot rods. So nine foot rod, 20 size reel, and generally something a little stiffer, a uh, lighter tip, but something that shuts off with some backbone, you know, you yeah. hook those big sheep at those big reds in the shallow water, they're going to pull, they're going to dog you. What a rod do you use? Um, uh, mostly I... I got a, I don't know the exact model, but I got a couple eye rods that are nine foot that work great. Uh, I think they're like 20 to 40 or 20 to 50 or something like that. I was hoping like you were going to say Phoenix, but no. Uh, yeah, I love Phoenix too. <laughs> I, I'd say 50% of my rods are Phoenix. I have a couple eye rods. I use eye rods as boat Keep, rods because they're... They're great. Eye rods yeah, are great. They I, use, they're a big supporter of the podcast. Do you have a Phoenix rod you could recommend that you would use for rock fishing? Um... My favorite Phoenix rod is actually the blems that you get at the Fred Hall show. The nine foot three ones, the colorful. That's my favorite rod from Phoenix. I have six of them. 
Really? Yep. I use the heck out of them. They're great jig sticks. I use them for bait. I use them for everything. Wow. Yeah. That's my favorite rod from Phoenix. But so I guys, got... remember that if you're going to get a Phoenix rod, you can go to the show and get a, a blem. Yeah. I think that's what they are anyways. I, don't I have know. no clue. <laughs> now I'm going to ask them. Yeah. It's going to be called the Jared Malott rod. <laughs> <laughs> oh, they're great. I, I love them. I get them every, I, obviously not this year, but the last couple Fred Hall shows they had, I'd they have a deal. I think it's like three for 160 or something like 180 for oh, three of shit. them. Yeah. Do you do you know what blank it is or anything? I I, I don't. It just it doesn't say nine, shit on it. It says nine three thirty to sixty or thirty to eighty or. Do something. you like that for rockfish? It works great. Yeah. Now it has a nice soft tip, and it the looks... only reason I ask you is because I'm gonna tell these fucking guys from Phoenix for coming on the trip. Yeah. I'm like, hey, bring some of these rods. <laughs> So whatever you recommend, I'll be like, shit, that's what we're going to use. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. No, they work great. Um, like I said, they got a soft tip, so you're going to feel those bites, those little ticks. Um, it has forgiveness, so when you got a big one that pulls hard, it's going to bend, but it shuts off. So if you do need to pull back, you can. It's another reason why it makes a great jig stick. What size line do you like using? Um, Ideally, a 25, 30-pound liter, something not too heavy, but not too light. Are you going light. to braid? I don't. I don't no. like fishing braid. I have it on all my reels as a backing, and that's pretty much it. Well, how much backing do you put on your reels? Half a spool. Oh, really? Yeah. I just use it so I don't have to put a whole spool of mono on every time I re-spool. <laughs> you know, it has its purpose. You hook a big fish, and it does run into it. You got plenty of line. But I like mono. I've always been a mono fisherman. And Here's a question. Yes. For you. Let's take it back fucking 10 to 15 years. Were you using mono when you are fishing those big calicos? No. Spectra. That, that is... When you need the spectra, when you're fishing in the kelp, heavy structure, you, yeah, yeah, that 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 spectra fishing, I don't do that anymore. Yeah, I'm fly lining sardines. You can't fly line a sardine as good with spectra as you can with mono. I know there's a lot of people that disagree with me, but I'll outfish them five to one. I promise. Look at he, these cocky he, <laughs> you can ask any of the San Diego captains, all those guys at tuna fish. You know, it has its time and place, but for mostly what I do. And what I've seen, you're going to fly line a bait a lot better with mono. No, this is great information. I like, I'm asking you like a fucking noob. So I'm like going, Hey, what do you think about this? What do you think about this? Even with your calico fishing, like what were you, were you using leader at the time? Yeah. Uh, floral carbon has better abrasion resistance. And that was, that was it. What size floral carbon are you using? Uh, generally 40 to 60. <sighs> Can't use that shit no more, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> that shit will not get you bit. But be, I mean, the pressure I'm sure yeah. is so much well, different. Times have changed; it really has. <laughs> yeah, it has. So, I'm saying that because I'm a fucking idiot. But I'm sure there's other dudes like Cody or Co- you know Code Green, Cody. Yeah, he's fucking using the heavy ass shit still and catching him. He just knows. <laughs> but you know, like <laughs> that's you, a time and place. Yeah, uh, it's really cool. But um, let's plug the the charter, or I'm sorry, what, what boat you work on. Uh, let's plug where they could reach you. Let's plug where uh, they could book a trip. Uh, well, I'm from Gale Force Sport Fishing, as I'm sure you guys can tell. <laughs> uh, we're at LA Waterfront, which is in San Pedro. Um, we fish Catalina pretty much year-round. During lobster season, we do the 12 to 12 lobster combo trips, $180 per person. At least last year, they might be more expensive this next season, the way things are going. Fun Who knows? Gas. Exactly. Um, <laughs> during the summer, we do, I'd say, 80% private charters. But we do post open parties uh, at the end of each month. If we have any openings for the following month, we put them up for open parties, and that's 
We have any Twilight? Do you guys do Twilight at all? If they charter the boat for a Twilight, we do a couple a year. Okay. It's an option, but yeah. not not too many people jump on it. I'm going to fill that bitch up. Oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be fun. I like Twilight fishing. It's a yeah. change, nice change of pace. Well, thanks for coming on, dude. This was a really fun podcast. Thanks for letting me fuck it up on you. And <laughs> no uh, please thanks go check him me. out. He's a great charter. We're going to get him on as a captain one of these times. So uh, thanks for coming on, Jerry. I appreciate it. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com.